listening to Girls Gone Wild. This is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is episode 206. This week we have Adi and Michael Cajou. Adi is the CEO founder of WAG, Working Against Gravity, and Mike Cajou runs Brute Strength Training. And they are married, and they got married last year, and they had another wedding this year. Um, we've had Adi on the show. three. This is her third time now, Claire? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she was in episode 131 and episode 183. And so this time we just kind of wanted to sit down with them and talk about married life and all the good things that are going on in their lives. And they've been through quite a bit in the past year just with their businesses and working together as business owners in a a marriage can be a little interesting. So it's a great interview. We did this a couple weeks ago. We can't wait for you to hear this episode. But first and foremost, we want you to know for Athletics Ambassador Program is blowing up, you guys. Claire, have you seen all this stuff that's going on? Yeah, it's amazing. So if you have not signed up yet, go to fourathletics.com, find the um, ambassador link and apply to become an ambassador. You don't have to be some crazy social media celebrity. You just need to be somebody who enjoys being active and enjoys wearing spandex. And something tells me that every single person who listens to this podcast qualifies for that. Um, and just somebody who wants to support an awesome brand. We love for athletics. We love working with them. They are amazing guys. They're so genuine and like they they really, even in the ways that they support our podcast, they have made it very clear, like they want us to love their product and they like, they care more about us endorsing them because that, because we love them than anything else. Like they would pay us a million dollars, maybe not a million dollars, but, and, and still, if we turn around and said, you know what, I don't really love this, these leggings, they would say, okay, great. Then don't talk about them. Right. You know, we don't, they don't let us promote anything of theirs that we don't personally absolutely love. And they're this I'm sure they're the same exact way with their ambassadors they're just such a cool authentic brand and we just love them a lot so go check out the ambassador program and also this week they just launched a um, brand new collection of solid color leggings which are gorgeous they have this amazing Kelly oh, green so color that I pretty. really love yeah they're amazing they have purple and they have bright pink and they have a light blue and a dark blue but go check them out it's still the crowdfunding, which we talk about, we've talked about before, but you know, that allows them to keep their prices down. And the other thing that people always ask us is about the sizing. So first of all, no, they are not high rise. People have been asking that a lot lately. I don't believe at this, at this time they offer a high rise style. That being said, I typically only wear high rise leggings, but I, I really like the normal for athletics leggings because they don't fall down. Yes. That's what I was going to say is I don't, I mean, I wear a lot of high rise leggings as well. And I've, not even noticed the four athletics leggings are are not high rise because they just stay up so well. And I just want to plug to that they the quality of these leggings and all of their clothing is so well made. And I find myself reaching for them all the time when I need something like really sturdy or it, there's no sweat sweat that shows through. I just really kind of want to plug that too is that we really really believe in the quality and the business of this uh, company. So you can support the podcast by entering code GGW as a discount code. Again, that's for athletics f o u r athletics.com. Let them know that we sent you. That supports the podcast. I mean, we love you guys and we want to keep growing. So this helps us and helps you look good. Yay, yay for athletics. So uh, we hope you guys enjoy this episode. So here we go with Michael and Adi Cajou. Yeah, so let's uh, let's talk about what you kids have been up to. You two lovebirds that had a wedding. 
We did. We had our second wedding, technically, in a really small town called New Roads, Louisiana. It's it's southwest of Baton Rouge, right? Southwest of Baton Rouge. It's where Michael grew up. It's a population 5,000 people. So wow. really small town. Do you guys feel like anything has changed since your official wedding, even though you've been married for months and months? Let's, that's, a, that's a funny question. When we got, when we eloped in August, I definitely felt something change. I think that the wedding ceremony was more just like an amazing experience, uh, mainly having everyone there to support our love for one another. It was just an absolutely incredible feeling having that much love in the same place and all of our favorite people in the same place like mingling for the first time ever. Yeah, I think it's fun, interesting like, you know, you can kind of say what you want about the wedding industry per se, but I think that having that ceremony, you know, it's such like a rite of passage and I think there, there are so few like, you know, ceremonial things that we still do in our culture that that's kind of one of the few that we still hold on to and you kind of do have those moments of realizing like, wow, I can totally see why other cultures have so many more touch points where you really do come together to support people as they kind of move through life. Yeah, for sure. It's It was actually really funny because when we were leading up to the actual reception, Michael and I are not very good party planners. We didn't, we're not like the typical bride and groom, I guess, or stereotypical that really cares about all the details. And we really were almost kind of not excited for the whole thing. And <laughs> Then having the party with my whole family there and Michael's whole family there and all of our friends there and you're never gonna have all of those people in one place ever again. And it was it was the difference for me was that I felt this like acceptance from his family that I didn't feel before. It was like almost an opportunity for them to celebrate bringing someone new into their family and for my family to celebrate bringing someone to new into theirs. So it was it was way way more special than we had even anticipated. I kind of want to talk to you guys a little bit about you know. So having two entrepreneurs be married to each other, um, I feel like that could be a recipe for a lot of discussions, a lot of, the discussions, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of alpha energy. And I'm just kind of curious, like how, how have you guys made that work for you? And, you know, how do you guys support one another and how do you feed off one another and how do you maybe clash a little bit? I think, I feel like it's, it takes a very specific personality to really thrive in being an entrepreneur. Um, and I think typically that type of personality doesn't get along with itself very well. Like it's, you know, <laughs> can be kind of, um, polarizing so I'm just I'd love to hear how you guys are making it work <laughs> she's like you could go with that with that one first <laughs> um, yeah so that's that has been a constant challenge for us for sure um, from the you know from right when we met we were very right when we met we were actually working even more than we do now probably um, from you know sun up till sundown and we've had to constantly learn how to a support each other in working hard and also um, support each other in taking some space just for us, right? That is not attached to to work. It's been a process of learning how to give each other space, but also learning when each of us has had like uh, like needs some togetherness. The challenge is also to not be like because we're doing totally separate things, but have the same role in our separate things. So to not be, you know, competitive with one another, we're also both competitive athletes at heart and have been that way for a very long time. So, you know, balancing being supportive of one another, but also not being jealous at the same time. Uh, we've, I think we really had to work on that straight out the gate because we met at a business conference. So yeah, we were both at those things. Like both of us are obviously there with the intentions of helping our own business and we want to 
not steal the spotlight from each other. So it, it definitely a challenge. It was actually way more and continues to be way more of a challenge for me in that regard than than a D because I am so competitive. And is she and sitting there like, no, a, it's more of a challenge for me? No, I don't think she would argue yeah. that. <laughs> Are um, you going to be get competitive? <laughs> um, so I, I remember like especially at the beginning again it was it was so challenging especially for my ego right i have this this woman who in so many aspects of life i think is crushing it more than me and it was so it was just very difficult for me and so i remember having a conversation with an old therapist of mine saying like i love this woman so much but i also want to kill her because she's because <laughs> she's kicking my ass over here and he said I know that as bad, like what you want to do most is like retreat from her business and what she's doing and, and almost pretend like you don't care about what's going on. But the only way that you're going to get through this and learn to um, accept and like be a part of what she or, or like love what she's doing is to be more a part of it. And so what we've learned over the past couple of years is that the more we are involved in each other's businesses, kind of the, the less we have that competitive feeling at the end of the day we're you know we share everything and we are a family and so those feelings of competitiveness are, are very um ill-placed if you will so you know by me being a part of her company more and vice versa it's really helped with that that feeling alone do you feel like that's helped you feel change the way that you approach you know business relationships outside of just between the two of you like do you feel like you're less competitive in general because of that or do you still feel just as competitive as ever um, when you're dealing with people other than your wife yeah, I still I still feel just as competitive. <laughs> I but with that said, I know I know how competitive I am and I I know that uh, you know those are really just like thoughts in my head that's not reality like I'm not necessarily uh, I don't necessarily have competitors just you know people with other um, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for um, positions in the market rather than competitors and so I actively try to help other like I, I try to help my competitors right I try to shout out um, you know other big name programming companies and coaches and all of that kind of stuff because I do believe that I do believe in abundance and that we're not really fighting over uh, uh, like a like a pie but if we all support each other then we're growing that pie I also want to go back to something quickly that you said about you know specifically kind of like here comes this woman like into your space and you know she's kind of like this badass chick do you feel like that unique position of being a woman in your space and you know kind of going up against the boys a little bit has that been something that you guys had to overcome in terms of your relationship but also like how do you see that playing out as your businesses continue to grow I think I've always seen being a woman as an advantage to me in business, especially because I was always the youngest in the room until I met Michael and he's the same age as me. So that's probably why we immediately um, gravitated towards one another. But I was always the youngest entrepreneur in the room and I was one of very few females. So I actually always saw that as an advantage and I'm I'm pretty novel in those rooms and often it enticing for people to hear your story that way. And they're just curious as to how you got there and they're more willing to actually help you and Generally, they feel more threatened by each other, the older men in the room. So I've always seen it as an advantage. There's definitely been some scenarios where, I mean, you could probably speak more to this than me, but where I get a lot of attention from other men that are at these business conferences and I'm I'm not necessarily providing the same attention back, but I'm not stopping them from giving me that kind of attention. Yeah. So that's probably created some tension in our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Imagine males paying attention to you, D. <laughs> 
Yeah, right. It's really difficult for me to picture. I just wonder why. No, that that makes a right. lot of sense. But it's, I mean, I you two always strike me, and I just know from talking to a D is you two strike me as just people who are so wonderfully honest with each other and really strive to do that with yourself, with your businesses, with ever with all your relationships that you consider really important and close to you. That I feel like is such a benefit to what you do because you just you're naturally those people that really value honesty and just being really open with relationships and with business and how you run your life frankly. and i think your businesses also meet people in a vulnerable place yes. in their life that where they're you know struggling with their bodies or with their strength or with whatever it is that they're working on right no they're that. just coming to you with really <laughs> big goals so i'm just kind of noticing that and i think that's a really cool way to approach it well thank you uh, yeah for me it, it started like the whole like vulnerability topic started for me in rehab i realized that you know the whole the whole saying you're only as sick as your secrets and i really took that to heart and you know for the for the past eight or nine years that's been one of the biggest parts of my life to to remain open and vulnerable you know to to allow people to see the real me and that's definitely how we approach our relationship for sure and our our businesses more and more and i imagine too that because you guys are both so open to that it's it's easier for people to trust you in that sense because for us we always Claire and I always talk about how we just want to be ourselves and we want to be comfortably honest. I don't think it's appropriate to always to overshare, but I think that when when you're just really genuinely honest and okay with your story um, and the things that you want to share, it kind of gives people that same permission and and know that they're not alone. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the base of trust, right? Dealing with the businesses you have right now, is there currently something that you're working on that kind of sticks out for you? It's something that we're working through right now. Yeah, like um, a lesson, I mean, an obstacle, like something that you, I mean, we always kind of go through these phases of things that we're working on with uh, with the projects that were it's like an ongoing thing for you so is there anything that's kind of sticking out for you that you're working through yeah um i mean for me if i talk about just the business for me would be that we're in this like we're we've been in this constant state of like a super super high demand and i've always been holding back in terms of like providing that supplies bringing on coaches really slowly uh, making sure the quality remains really high and then you're also in this weird phase of like not utilizing the momentum that you have so uh, being not a, a traditional or someone who intended to be an entrepreneur, just finding the balance of like how much to put on the gas and and how to be ride that line of being a little bit uncomfortable, um, not, you know, using the momentum that we have to do as much good as possible, um, how to hire new people, how to build a bigger team. Like I'm super controlling in terms of allowing people into our culture. Um and I search for reasons for people to stay and I would hate for any of my team members to leave. So I hire people really slow. So I think that's a really uh, big struggle for me. And um, in terms of Michael's business with mine, uh, when we first started dating, they were very, very separate. So he had a different nutrition program working with his company and we were just very separate from one another. And now that we're married and it's been a couple of years, uh, we're finding, we're going through the waters of trying to find how we can work together more and more and more, which uh, is uh, a struggle because I'm the leader in my company and he's the leader in his company. So we lead differently and finding out how to utilize each other's strengths while not getting frustrated by each other's weaknesses is what we're working on. But we know somewhere in there, it's like, it's really perfect harmony because we have very, very different strengths. So we're, we're committed to continuing to figure out how to work together. How would you guys describe your different leadership? 
leadership style. We both take something called the Colby test and we give it to both of our teams. And that test basically shows like how you get stuff done, your co-nation, what your natural behavior is. And I'm a super high, what they call quick start. I'm, I'm an idea man. I love to start projects. Um, I'm more like the typical entrepreneur, if you will. And what I do really, really poorly is follow through. So that, that shows up in every area of my life. So I want to start a project and I'll, you know, say it's an ebook. I'll start it and write 80% of it in one day. And then I'll, and I, then if I'm trying to finish it on my own, it'll sit around for another six weeks. I started a bookshelf for a D uh, like a month ago and I did the first 80% of it in two days. And the last, like just screw it in and stain it has been just waiting to happen for the last like three or four weeks. So I'm terrible at following through. That sounds a lot uh, like me. How do you deal with that? How do you put, I would love to hear some marriage hacks about how you handle that. Yeah, exactly, Adi. <laughs> Oh, how I handle that? Yeah. You're like, what are we doing with this? And then you can, and then I'd love to hear about your, your leadership style. Yeah. Um, for, for how I deal with that in our marriage is I know that he's, I, I'm like aware that he's like that. So if it's something that really matters to me, I'll either have to remind him. Badger. <laughs> Badger. <laughs> um, or I will just do it myself. If it's something that Fair matters enough. enough to me, I have, I'm on the Colby test. I'm a mediator. So I'm like pretty even keeled across the board. So I'm, I'm pretty good with follow through. I'm pretty good with quick start. I'm pretty good with implementation and fact finding is the other one. So I am, I generally would just, I don't give something to Michael to do if it's really, really important to me. <laughs> that's, that's a great, that's a great hack. That's awesome. He's, he's like shaking his head at me. <laughs> well, it's funny because when you know that about a person, you can't really get mad because you're like, this is just how they operate. It's kind of like the love languages. That's what they said. Someone, someone once told me, tr I didn't, I think I might've heard this on a podcast, but it was, uh, oh yeah, it was on yours with Michael Gervais. Trust is when you actually understand who somebody is. So trust is not like um, hoping that somebody's going to be on time when you know that they're perpetually late. So trust is aligning your expectations with who that person actually is. Uh, so if you, I'm totally aware of Michael's strengths and weaknesses. So I don't get frustrated <laughs> as much. I'm just like, oh yeah, he's just, you know, that's something he needs to work on. I don't get like, oh, he, I wish he would have done that. I, I know that he's like that. Um, I want to pivot a little bit. And I, for both of you having um, businesses and being in an industry and being, you know, also just having your own personal backgrounds in an industry where your physical appearance and your body are so important. One thing we've been talking a lot about lately, first of all, the balance between accepting and loving yourself where you are while still wanting to acknowledging that you can be better and want to change. You want to tell them what you're referring to too? You're yeah. saying that so, you've been like working really hard in the gym. Right. And, like, and I, yeah. So this kind of goes, that kind of goes back to where I'm like, where I'm personally currently at, which is about, you know, I have a year and a, a one and a half year old toddler and have just felt like I I've tried just about everything since before getting pregnant to kind of quote unquote get my body back, which cognitively I know is not going to happen, but that doesn't keep me from, you know, wanting to have people recognize like, hey, that girl looks like she puts a lot of effort into her health and fitness because I do like, you know, I get up at 430 in the morning. I counted macros for a long time. I, you know, really watched I eat. I do as much as I can to live this healthy athletic lifestyle. And yet I don't feel like my body, you know, represents that at all. And, you know, so it's just like that constant striving to find what is going to be the right fit to get me to that place and wanting to as having this podcast and just like wanting to have a healthy mindset trying to find that balance between like okay 
how do I love where I'm at and accept where I'm at and, you know, honor the fact that my body is healthy and doing its best while still, you know, wanting to get to the next level and being okay with saying, hey, I want to lose 10 pounds when I feel like, you know, this conversation has shifted so much that now it's like, you're not allowed to say that anymore. You like, you're only supposed to want to be strong and like, and, you know, so reconciling those two things. But then I think also on the other side of, you know, with you guys being in the position of being on the side of motivating people to want to make those changes, you know, I'm just kind of curious how you guys approach that individually in your own life. Cause I know like Adi, we've talked about, you know, having your identity so rooted in your physical appearance that when your appearance changes, it really like shakes your realization of who you are. Um, but also like you are dealing with people who are going through that from a client perspective. Um, I just would love to hear what your thoughts are about approaching that from both sides. Yeah. I think first off, um, thank you for your vulnerability. Like in my, in part of my answer, I would say for anyone going through that. And like when, when I go through this for myself, it always, there has like vulnerability has to be in the equation, right? With, with the, the ones closest with us, with our closest friends and, and loved ones, we have to let them know about these insecurities so that we give them the opportunity to say, I still love you. Right. Uh, we also have to practice compassion for ourselves. Like if I, and I know you can, uh, you and a lot of people can relate to this. I've started to track my macros a hundred times and followed it for like three days at a time sometimes. Right. Right. And I have to have compassion with myself so that I don't give up on myself because I'm not perfect. I'm working on a lot of different things at once and I'm just trying to navigate through, through life. Right. I'm trying to work on it and get better. But if I'm vulnerable with others and they're showing up for me and I'm compassionate with myself, then somewhere in there, I've always been able to find, um, you know, a self of, of worthiness for myself. And then in terms of the goals, like wanting to always get better rather than saying, I want to lose 10 pounds, what I've found, and this is something that Adi and I have been talking about constantly lately, rather than focusing on that end goal, I focus on, I'm just going to get up in the morning. I'm going to head to the gym this many times a week. And so what I'm doing is focusing on the process. And when I, when I am disciplined and when I am consistent in that process, that's what gives me a sense of confidence mm-hmm. and real self-worth. It's not, it's not the losing 10 pounds, although that does feel great when that happens, but it's the consistency and the integrity that, that I have with myself that I'm following through on the commitments that I made. Yeah, totally. I was, I was going to say the exact same thing. I always, like you said, I struggle with the fact that I was the girl with the six pack forever, forever. I was 15 pounds lighter than I am right now for really, or close to that, whatever, um, <laughs> for a really long time. And having this whole new body, I have my clothes fit different. I move differently in the gym. I don't, I, I'm also dealing with the fact that I'm not as fit as I used to be. I'm not as strong as I used to be. There's so many ways that if I graded myself, I would come out worse than I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so focusing on, I mean, I focus on the silliest little habits to be consistent with, to get fired up about like making the bed every single morning, no matter if I'm at the house or at a hotel, I make the bed every single day. And I get super pumped about the fact that I'm consistent with that. And I focus instead of on the achievements, like even in the, like even the achievements in the gym, it's hard for me to focus on that because I'm not going to be as good as I ever was. So it's not, you know, I get two more pull-ups today than I did the other day. It's not as exciting for me as just getting to the gym consistently. And that consistency and compliance over time, it does yield results always, but just being pumped about being consistent with anything is what actually makes you feel good. We call, I call it the, the squirt of, of uh, progress juice. You get like a little squirt of being like, yes, I did it. I might <laughs> went to the gym five days this week. 
I, th- I love that. And I think like that's something that I've definitely found, especially in terms of like the PRs is, you know, if I'm in the gym and we do you know back squat or something and my coach would be like was that a PR and I'm like well technically no but like in in this body yes yeah you know just kind of viewing it as like and I've I've been thinking a lot about that too lately of like you know that kind of old the old pre-pregnancy or you know whatever your pre-version of yourself is that you kind of have this vision of like this was back when I was really fit or you know or even if it's this future version of yourself of like I'm gonna get really fit and you know kind of allowing yourself to have that and remember the not like remember the good old days but like honor that that was a really fun time in your life but then kind of let it go and like okay this is my this is my new reality and I don't need to always be comparing it to what what used to be or what could have been basically focusing on the past is simply is just not going to do anything productive you know it's, it's good to acknowledge it to learn from it but it's not going to help you get fitter in the future or accept yourself in the present yeah well I was gonna say too that I feel like the image and body image is something that we can easily put expectations on because because it's, the, it's our outer appearance, right? And we're seeing that. And I feel like that is, it's just so important that we kind of take that reminder of like, okay, what are you doing this for? And is it making you happy? Because, you know, time and time again, we've talked to people about like the before and after photos, right? And so... Adi, I remember you posted that picture on, I think it was the Working Against Gravity page, or I think it might have been your page, where you're like the before and after kind of in reverse. Right, yeah. And, and it's just like, <laughs> yeah, because it's it's just, I feel like there are so many benefits to being fit and being healthy, but when we attach it to that before and after, it's just really interesting of how people just latch on to that so much, and then they put these unrealistic expectations on themselves, and it drives us crazy, and it makes us miserable. And we are big advocates for moving away, no more before and after photos. But we also know that, you know, in the reality of like the fitness industry, like that's where people get hooked. You know, that's what brings them in for them to look at someone and say, wow, I I see myself in that before photo. And so that allows me to see myself in that after photo. And, but I just think that it it does, you know, like obviously the whole story is not represented there. And that just drives me crazy. That is very, very, very true. It's it's also true that it just stokes the motivation right at the beginning. So it gives someone the courage, you know, to start something and maybe just start starting something helps them, you know, change and transform their lives. But I would love it if a picture of a a woman smiling, you know, um, with her children fully dressed would do the have the same effect and get people motivated to be in the gym for sure. Uh, yeah. And I also to say that with the changes in the body, I've really worked on taking all like I do things like even look at myself in the mirror <laughs> naked, like completely naked and just look and really give myself the opportunity to actually appreciate what my body looks like where it is right now, you know, softer, curvier. Um, I'm lucky that I have Michael who loves the fact mm-hmm. that I'm softer and curvier and the fact that there it also opened my eyes when he told me that like he loves the fact that I'm softer and curvier it made me realize like oh there isn't this like one beauty fits all like it's not there every single body there's someone out there that loves your body exactly the way that it looks and is dying to have the body that you have so you could want to change it and improve it but the way that you are right now there is so much to be celebrating about that particular body and I think too like just going off of that something that I realized lately is like there's more than one version of beautiful for each body also like there's not just like well your body looks the best at you know in this phase and and this other body looks the best here like there are infinite amount infinite numbers of versions of yourself that every little thing about it is beautiful and it's not like well you know you're petite so here's your version of beauty and you're curvy so here's your version of beauty it's like this it's just a, a big spectrum and I think that that's something that 
it's is tough yes about the before and after photos but just kind of like in general where you see and this gets brought up constantly but where you you know you always kind of see this after photo of this like fit muscular girl or this fit jacked guy and it's like okay if, if that's the goal then anything outside of that um you know can be seen as not living up to you know this image that as an athletic person or as an athlete or as a fit healthy person that you're trying to achieve and I think you know even just going back to what I was saying earlier about wanting viscerally not viscerally but like you know wanting to have that and have people have that reaction to me of like I want people to look at me and think like oh that girl must work really hard because I do but like you know then that taking that down to the next level of like well if I do work that hard and this is my body then like you know if A equals B and B equals C then this body is a representative of that work and so like what is it about that that's making me feel like I need to have a certain body type in order for people to recognize you know that part of my identity yeah I tell I tell a D all the time she's got a, a very large range range of in which I would still find her a 10 out of 10. (laughs) (laughs) I was just thinking too that, um, you know, I feel like people are coming to you, like Claire said earlier, at a pretty vulnerable place. And I don't think it's, I don't think that you can, that we're ever going to fight this battle and get rid of the before and after pictures. And to be honest, Adi, I feel like you're so right on. Like, that's just, that's just how it is. Like, we, we can't fight City Hall on that. Like, that is just what's going to get people in the door because that is just the culture. <laughs> that's how it goes with social media. So I feel like that is not something we're ever really going to win. But I feel like it's important for you guys. And I think that you do this very well. It's like people are coming to you at a very very vulnerable place. Is there something that you see like a common thread of what they're really seeking? I think that what they think they're seeking might be different than what they they need or what is actually going to make them feel better. Oftentimes, uh, there's just it's there's some type of misunderstanding or uh, a factor that you're not willing to compromise on or something that's stopping you from from actually seeing what it is that's going to make you really happy. I think that people are coming to find confidence and self-acceptance and just love the not not just love the body that they're in and love what they're what they see in the mirror but but feel in control of their nutrition and for me it's in it's your nutrition just feeling in control it's kind of like Michael's been talking about so he's been trying to track his macros for two years like two years are you serious swear since for two years and he has never been consistent I mean, I've, I, I, you're I, married I'll to the like owner of working against gravity. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take like three to six months off sometimes. So in that, right. two years. exactly. Okay. But, I mean, he's he's thought about it. Well, he's Michael, been... I want to know really, really quick. I just want to interject. Like, what is mm-hmm. it about it that that you just is not your thing or that you're well, having at hard... first? Yeah. It, 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 it's literally all about goals for me. So when I met a D, I wasn't competing at all. I wasn't even working out that much. And it, I just didn't see any reason to like I I really I was happy with the way that I looked and I didn't see the reason to be like strict with my diet okay. and that was the case really for for the most part like sometimes I would feel like I was gaining a little weight and so I would try it out and I would get into uh, you know a, a weight range that I was happy with and then really slack off and it wasn't until I started competing again this year and had this uh, you know had the opportunity to go to regionals that I was like really dialed in with it so once I had this very clear goal goal of why I wanted to be strict with my diet, then I was able to do it. But before that, I just didn't see the point. Yeah, but what I but the point of the story when I started, though, was that he did get consistent because he did have this goal for regionals and he did compete it compete. And so he was consistent for a number of months, but really, really consistent. And then now we recently had a conversation where what he gained from that um, wasn't 
didn't have anything to do with the way his body changed or uh, his. Oh, we lost you again. Are you there? Hello. Hello. Yeah, it just cuts out a little bit. Hello. Oh, there, oh, you, there you are. Okay. Okay. So we lost you right around where you were saying it. Uh, what he gained from that had nothing to do with his body composition. Oh, so it. it what what I think one of the biggest takeaways for him, which is what a lot of people that join our program don't necessarily realize, is that he now feels like he has a skill set that keeps him in control of his nutrition to make appropriate choices, whether he's tracking or whether he's not tracking. So I'll even watch him now be super conscious of what he's going to eat, knowing that we're going to go out to a restaurant for dinner, make different choices than he would have made before he spent that time um, actually learning about his nutrition. And I think that that's what people are actually seeking when they come to us. You know, I, I've been there, that anxiety of not knowing if if this piece of pizza that I'm going to eat is going to like absolutely make me gain five pounds on the scale. So you just avoid it at all costs and have these weird relationships with food. Like, like you're just so anxious and unsure of what you can and cannot eat or how to make choices. So I think that's what and I think they want. want. I think they want a sustainable diet, right? They want something that allows them to look good, but also allows them to, um, you know, eat a significant amount of food, like not feel hungry all the time. And then also be social, right? Because most diets out there are, are, um, focused on restricting certain food items, whether it be restricting wheat or dairy or um, processed foods, right? They're all focused on restricting. And so that slowly eats away at our willpower. It doesn't allow us a lot of times to go to those social events as much. And so really, I think one of the biggest reasons that flexible dieting has grown so much is because it is it is so sustainable because it, it, it doesn't require you, you to restrict anything. Yeah. And I, I wonder too, do you see as far... I, I feel like there's so much projection that we put on professional athletes. So, you know, even you both have competed. And would you venture to say that you both deal with probably the same things that your clients are coming to you for? Like, it's really not different if you're a professional athlete, you're still struggling with like, I just want to know how to balance my nutrition or this, I have emotional ties to food and I want to just work that out. This is like, this is the craziest thing I've learned in the past two years. So being the owner of Working Against Gravity, I've had the amazing opportunity to be the personal coach to the best athletes literally on the planet. So I've coached two CrossFit Games champions, uh, a three-time Olympian, a two-time Olympian, an Olympic medalist, like just the best athletes ever. And you guys were just talking about how, you know, as do professional athletes feel this way too. And my job is very much to get into the depths of what their relationships are like with food. And it's not just about, you know, tweaking their macros or, or sometimes they're not hitting their macros at all. And we're talking about completely different things altogether. And they have the exact same struggles that every single other client has on the program. That's why I tell people like their program is not different than anyone else who signs up for the program just because they deal with the same struggles, the same self-doubt, the same body image issues, the same things of like, I'm putting in all this effort and I'm not getting the results I want. The exact same struggles for sure. Mm -hmm. Do you ever feel like people and maybe even the professional athletes I'd be curious to know is um, where you have to kind of guide them towards goals of saying, all right, you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself and these goals really just are, I don't want to say unrealistic, but just unrealistic, or maybe they're just not right for them at that moment. Do you have to kind of coach people around that? Yeah, for sure. It, it's a huge battle of what we do is 
having somebody's expectations align with where they're at presently. So whether it's the level of work that you're putting in, the level of discipline that you're having with your workouts or your nutrition, or maybe they're dealing with an injury and then we have to take that into consideration or going through a divorce or um, one of their kids is having trouble in school, like whatever it is, that's all going to play a factor into how much their nutrition is going to be working or not working just because nutrition happens to be in the center of everything. And a lot of people use it to help them with those emotions and changes in your body happen with stress and with all of those feelings. So we're we're dealing with that all the time, for sure. It's refreshing to hear that, I gotta say. <laughs> we're all th- professional athletes. They're, they're just, just like, like us. us. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I, I work with, I also work with Jessica Lucera, who's the best 58 kilo weightlifter in American history. And I've had moments with her being like, hey, like we're not going to make weight for this meet. So we have to strategize what it is like. Are, are we actually going to go to this meet and not make weight? So is is that what you what you want to do? Because it's unrealistic for you to expect to lose X amount of pounds and X amount of time yeah. based on where she's at right now. So we have to have those conversations for sure. Michael, I'd love to hear kind of how you approach that also with from more of like a training standpoint in terms of people's, you know, people's goals. And how do you deal with people who come to you for one thing? And you know, you ultimately end up having to, to coach them through so much more than just, you know, kind of the, the physical aspect of it. I typically I couldn't agree with a D more like everybody has the same struggles and insecurities and I try to treat every one of my athletes that I work with like like I would a friend and so I just try to get to know them better I try to get to know what are the things you know below the surface that are that are keeping them stuck from whether it be making it to the gym uh, as many times as they want or um, just keeping them from having the right mindset and training I just really try to understand what's what's holding them back and like being for them there like giving them the space to be vulnerable with me and then helping them as I would a close friend and then not to get you know too um not to get too deep here but you know I think it it is helpful like anytime we talk to to folks who are leaders in their spaces to remind ourselves and to remind you know everybody who listens to this podcast that like just what you guys are saying everybody deals with kind of the same stuff so if you guys are open to sharing it I'd love to hear like kind of what some of your insecurities I know we've talked to Adi about this a little bit but some of the stuff that Michael you've worked through and maybe Adi some of the stuff that you're working through at the moment um you know in kind of how it relates to just this, the same crap we all we all deal with well, ourselves and go through and right exactly right yeah, yeah. I, and, and I love that you I love that you do this on on the on your podcast because I try to do the same things with the people that I interview, right? Because if we can humanize the people we look up to, then it makes, you know, it gives all of us more courage. Um, What are some of mine? I have just absolute crippling uh, imposter syndrome. Sometimes I feel like I just got so lucky to, you know, have, you know, I got lucky to be in the right place in the right time to be on the games team that I was on. And that really set me up for starting this company with like a little, you know, more, um, more eyeballs on it than, than I deserve. And I just keep getting surrounded by great people that um, and they're the reason that I'm successful. You know, I constantly mm-hmm. feel like I am a fraud. I, you know, I think to myself, I'm a fraud and it's just a matter of time before everybody figures it out. Uh, and then another big one for me is with doing live pre- presentations, whether it be my own my own podcast or live cast. I just really, really get in my own head. So when I was in rehab, I realized for the first time that I have I had like 
like clinical anxiety and you know I, I got medicated for it and, and all of that kind of stuff and over the past eight nine years I've really had to work through that and, and even to the point of having panic attacks sometimes uh, doing live presentations so I struggle with it as much as anyone and yet I'm you know here I am doing um, I'm on my like 90th podcast when I first started that thing I was absolutely shitting my pants and I still <laughs> I still feel same way sometimes but I do it anyway I love that you bring that up Joey and I talk a lot about anxiety Joey is a, a therapist by day and, and both of us have gone through um, you know different phases of dealing with clinical anxiety and whether that's through therapy or through medication and um, you know I think that it's just something that a lot of people think that they have to live with it and they think that you know the the best way to deal with it is just to whether it's avoid those difficult things or you know it's just like such a scary thing to acknowledge and to talk about mm -hmm. and yeah, and yeah that's the, that's the worst one right to mm -hmm. to avoid the things that make you anxiety uh, anxious right right yeah we also talk about <laughs> how so um, yeah anxiety is it, a lot of it is energy that you need to get out so there's this counterintuitive thing that we'll do that when we are anxious we try to, to make it like push it away right like, like okay, it. just like, take calm some deep down. breaths take deep breaths and actually right. what you should be doing is running around the block because that's feeding into it to kind of like let it go um, I like that so I'll even sometimes if I'm feeling super anxious I'll push against a wall and just push as hard as I can to like if I can't go run a block or yeah. something I flap my hands yeah so you like have to yeah. get rid of it and it's just so you funny do. how we, I like, it we like tend to be like up. just relax it's like that is the exact opposite of what I feel like <laughs> yeah. doing right now <laughs> right. that's interesting I like that yeah yeah but I just I think I along with what Claire said too I feel like this is something where um we we really want to foster that community is oh sorry everyone laughs when I say community because I say it all the time but we <laughs> But I think we just want to make sure people are just embracing the piece that uh, that we all have insecurities and we all want to just kind of put them out there, not in a way of like, you know, oversharing, but just saying you're not alone. And I, I think you both can agree. And you both are very good examples of living that way. I th I, well, thank you, first off. And I think that it's actually like that is where like there's true power in knowing your insecurities and being vulnerable with, with others for sure, but also just uh, being aware of yourself, right? The more or you can be aware of your own secure insecurities um, that you have the opportunity to work through them to start loving yourself despite of them uh, etc versus trying to constantly hide them from yourself and others which only makes them worse yeah and I think also you know every time that you share your story and someone else hears it and thinks like oh my gosh I'm not the only one that I think is one of the most powerful things yep. you can do definitely for sure what about you Adi? um mine one that I'm actually working on right now so it's just like the first one that came to mind and I've never said this on a podcast before so I'm just gonna go out there and say it but I have tons of insecurities everybody I'm riddled with them but the one that I'm focusing on right now is I have a lot of anxiety or insecurities around making other female friends um I think throughout my entire childhood I spent a lot of time trying to be whoever those girls I thought wanted to be friends with so whether it was you know the funny girl or the sporty girl or whatever it was instead of just, you know, actually just relaxing and being myself. So it made it really hard for me to maintain female friendships and I've always gone more of the masculine route like being really good at business or being really good at sports or being loud and that kind of thing and it's always uh, made it harder for me to have female relationships and that's kind of 
I have this insecurity of like, I'm going to say the, the wrong thing. They're not going to like me. I'm not, they're not going to laugh at my jokes. They're not going to be interested in the same things. Like they're not going to want to hang out with me and we're going to hang out one time and then they're just going to think I'm this big loser. And I like, and, and I'm supposed to be this really cool person and it's just easier to hide behind like the facade. And I used to tell Michael all the time, like, I'm really not that cool. And he was like, no, you're actually that cool. And it's just me not accepting that I, I'm sure other females would actually like to hang out with me. It's just almost I have this like, I get paralyzed in those just pure social situations. I'm really good in the gym or I'm really good at like a business conference or I'm really good maybe even with my own home when Michael's with me. But if it's just me and another girl, I'm like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. <laughs> so do you like tacos? <laughs> That's so funny as you're talking about that because that was so me. I feel like we're we're soul sisters from another lifetime because that was so me growing up was I was always trying to fit in and I wasn't the cool girl, but I wanted so bad to be, to be like, please let me sit at your lunch table type of thing. And uh, it's, you know, as you're saying that, like people now aren't thinking that it's just you're going back to that old story from when you were growing up, right? For sure. For yeah. sure. So, so it, it's funny because Michael pushes me through it. So he'll, he'll either, he'll do like the sneakiest things. Like I'll say, oh, I wonder what, like, I would love to hang out with that girl, Emily. And he'll be like, okay, so text her right now. <laughs> and ask her to hang out. He's like, no, you have to do it right now. Like, I'm not going to let you not do it right now. So I would have to just text her in that moment. Or he'll create like a group text conversation. Um <laughs> Like, it's like trying to get you to text your crush. It's so funny. So this is uh, Pat and Taz Barber are very, very good friends of ours. And he was, uh, Michael was leaving for two weeks. And he knew that if he didn't do this, I would have ended up spending two weeks by myself in our apartment. So he did a group text between me, Pat and Taz saying, Adi really wants to come over for dinner tomorrow night. And I did not say that. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And so I really couldn't get out of it. And I ended up going there for dinner the next night and a bunch of nights while Michael was away. And becoming best friends. Yes. (laughs) That is so cute. And they are so cute. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. I love that because I think it's like, you know, I think from from the other side of the lens, you know, looking at UAD, it's like it does, it's easy to look at both you and Michael and kind of think like, man, these people really have it figured out. They have it together. Like, Adi is so cool. Like, I wish I could sit at your lunch table, you know, and... And then, you know, to hear uh, that you have that, I think it's, you know, both of still kind of like that same imposter syndrome, but like an imposter syndrome of just being yourself, you know, of like not really believing that like you are as like fun to be around and cool as you actually are. Um, It's just so interesting, like how those beliefs from, you know, back in our lives can like just hang on to you no matter how many things you accomplish that like for everyone, we have that crap that is just never going to go away. Can I do an experiment? Are you guys open to an experiment? <laughs> is this a therapy oh, experiment? Yeah, we love that. So, sure. so I would like to propose that we all commit to each other right now. Something we're going to do to work on our insecurity. Yeah, that means that Claire and I are going to have to share an insecurity too. That we're going to, something that we are going to commit to and promise to each other that we're going to work on. Like, Michael, what are you going to do to um, challenge your insecurity of like speaking in front of people or something well, that we're going to like commit to, to challenging ourselves? Syndrome. Yeah, the imposter okay. syndrome. Yeah, I've got a speaking coach and I'm going to start going to Toastmasters. Oh my gosh, uh, that's like my biggest. Month fear oh my gosh i've actually like thought about doing that and it's a huge fear of mine which means i probably should do it exactly let's do it together (laughs) (laughs) well not what's your what's your insecurity joy um my insecurity would probably be my gosh where do i begin i would probably (laughs) 
How long is this show? Just like me. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I I would probably say one of my biggest insecurities, um, I kind of want to say like the people pleaser situation where you're kind of always trying to make sure everyone else is taken care of, um, that you're going to let people down. So I know that's a little bit vague, so I want to get a little... Claire, do you have one more specific? Yeah, I have a okay. specific one. Go specific because I want to I want to dial this think, in because it's think a little it? too more vague. Yeah. I think that my biggest one, and this has always been my biggest one, is just insecurities and anxiety around not being taken seriously because I'm like this... I'm typically younger than most like I mean I'm 10 years younger than Joy like I tend to be the youngest person in my group of friends I tend to be the physically smallest person in my group of friends and I can come across as being just very like just like kind of silly and like rambunctious and like I really my up you know ever since like puberty have really struggled with being seen as this sort of just like little spunky thing who's just a firecracker and like doesn't need to be taken seriously and I struggle with that in just about everything where I feel like not so much that I have to prove myself because you know I, I don't really see myself like compensating for it in that way but more that like I just don't really believe that anyone is ever taking me seriously for what I say and so like when people will respond to our podcast and say like oh my gosh Claire when you said this like it meant so much I always kind of like oh yeah whatever like you know that person can't really like that couldn't have been that meaningful and really downplay that because of just these insecurities I have around being that just sort of like fun goofy friend who's like you know just like that little firecracker and that um was you know just kind of going back to like a you know what you guys both were talking about of like the, the parts of your identity that you drag along with you through your life like that, at one point that was a, a, the person who I was and I think you know obviously I've grown up a lot from that but I think also you know I'm a new mom I'm in a new career I'm in a relatively new marriage I'm in a, a place in my life right now where I'm new to a lot of things and so I don't spend a lot of time being good at stuff or really feeling like I know what I'm doing and so um it's just easy for me to kind of revert to that story of like oh I'm you know like nobody take nobody needs to take me seriously so that's mine I don't really know how I can like I don't know how I can have like an actionable thing about that I think you can't. I think you could definitely celebrate yourself. Like I encourage Michael to brag about himself when he's feeling like that, for sure. Yeah. I think okay, I so wonder too. Go ahead, Michael. I wonder have you have you asked some of your closest friends what they think about you? Like ask them specifically if they take you seriously? Because that might be an interesting conversation to have with a handful of people. Yeah, and you know the crazy thing is is that I like if I were to actually take a step back and look at the relationships I have with people and you know the the value I have in my job and you know the role I have with this podcast and the role that I have in any of my relationships, I very much like I'm a very natural leader. Like I think that most people take me much more seriously than I think that they do. But I I just automatically tell myself the story of like, oh, I'm just not the type of person that, you know, is taken seriously. Hmm. So I would say along the same lines, because Michael, you really sparked my idea as far as like the Toastmasters thing and standing in front of people is the reason I have that reaction too is what do I have to say that people are going to be like, I want to listen to you speak, which is really funny because I have a podcast, but <laughs> but it's more of like, no, but it's really Weekly funny because podcast. I think I, I underestimate that I have a lot to share and that people would want to hear something that I have to say so that's kind of that piece for me is um well like there's always someone else that's going to be better at this so I really shouldn't you know coin myself as an expert or what have you which anyway so I feel like that's kind of the mm-hmm. the piece where I would I could I could do a lot better of believing in myself in that way man guys we so, are a mess so what is our commitment so Adi what are you going to do you're going to make some some chick date come, yeah come to I Colorado and hang out with us week. Oh, I have a chick date for next week but I'm also going to uh sign up for an art class where I'm going to make at least one new friend that ends up putting their cell phone. I'm going to get a number. <laughs> I'm going to get a girl's yes. number at my new art class. Oh, I love it. 
I love that. That's so great. So does that mean I can text you more often now? Because sometimes I feel like I'm annoying you. <laughs> oh my god! Ask Michael how much I love texting. I'm really good at made, like texting my girlfriends for sure. But my girlfriends happen to live not in the same state as me, so that's yeah. easier relationships usually. Totally. For me. Yeah. That's so funny. I actually had a. Uh, I had one of my closest friends who was my my uh, doula when my son was born, and is like just absolutely one of my closest friends. Our friendship started with her reaching out to me because she was a classmate of my husband's and saying hey this is gonna sound so weird but can I ask you out on a friend date and and it was like and she was like I just you know she's like it's hard to meet friends like as an adult and I know this sounds weird but like can we just go get drinks and like have a friend date I want to get to know you better and I was like yeah it wasn't weird at all and now she's like one of my closest friends oh my there you God. go I should do that yeah I, I think I think a lot of us need to do that more often yeah and just own it and be and like as soon as she said that I was like of course and this is amazing actually because you're right that like as an adult it you you know if you're not in like a class together or something like it's so hard to create those natural touch points that you do kind of have to go out on a limb and say like hey this is what I want I know this sounds kind of awkward being this up front but like are you in and I I, I don't know I I thought no, it was I very charming it. I love it really cool thing. so we've all made a pact what are you gonna do Claire? I don't know ask my friends if they take me seriously I guess huh like brag about myself yeah I'd say brag <laughs> I like a, I, I like yeah, Adiz, I, it daily praise I like daily praise <laughs> I like Adiz idea. I am so amazing yeah ways I, in which I was amazing today yeah <laughs> I say we do it well, you say it, you say it kind of sarcastically but yeah. that, that simple exercise could completely change your life yeah. so we do something um I do something at night on the back of my like daily schedule I write uh, I write my schedule down every day and then on the back at night I'll put the three like achievements for the day like my three biggest achievements and they can be this this dumbest things just like I woke up when I said I was gonna woke, wake up and again it, it's just like one more thing that fills me with confidence even if I think I didn't I wasn't productive or I didn't have a good day I finish on a really good note I like that and we've been talking a lot lately I feel like the theme that keeps has come up for us a lot is um that quote that's the way you do anything is the way you do everything and right. I think I feel like a D you might have told us about your bed making habit even on the last time we talked and kind of um you know brought that brought that up about like if you start to set these small goals and start to recognize these small things and like really take pride in the small things then that ultimately has no choice but to bleed out into the bigger picture we just Michael and I just had the longest conversation about this on the weekend and how it really is as basic as maybe taking taking a shower every single morning, like not even washing your hair. Cause for me, that's a huge concern. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, that takes like, like two hours for you. Ex- exactly. So like taking a shower every single morning or, or, you know, making sure to floss your teeth or, uh, we even say how you do anything is how you do everything. It's funny. Like Michael was talking about how the way that he makes his bed is usually indicative of how he's feeling. So if he actually takes the time to, you know, make it look really nice, like make sure the pillows are set right. And the blanket has no wrinkles in it. That usually sets his, that his day off like he's being a little bit more patient he's not rushing and he's not rushing into the day instead he's you know being a little bit more patient and that will bleed out into the rest of his day uh, it really is like the littlest most basic things of it, I think it's almost so basic that people don't want to believe that it's true that that could yeah. be what changes your life like it's just too simple like there's just no way that that could be what changes your life right but yeah I think it just goes back to like saying you're going to do something and then following through with it and I mean we even talk about this like with um we talk about this a lot actually when it comes to difficult workouts of like if you can get through a difficult workout then that can expand so much into getting through other difficult situations in your life and I think that you know it kind of you can distill it the same way of like making a commitment to yourself even if it's I'm going 
gonna get up every morning and you know I'm I'm gonna do my hair every every weekday of like that seems like such an arbitrary thing but then just keeping that one commitment to yourself then rolls over into okay this you know these other habits that you then start to form and you know they kind of just all like it's like a big domino effect definitely the doing your hair thing is a big thing like you feel so much better about yourself if you just everyone's like oh I don't care about the way I look but really if you do take like 30 seconds to a minute to actually care a little bit about the way you look in the morning it's gonna make the you're gonna stand a little taller Mm -hmm. you're gonna really be excited about things that you wouldn't even notice like that are so subconscious that makes the rest of your day better definitely all right last question and we're gonna tie up I I know you are a big reader Adi is there anything that you're jazzed about right now Ooh, I'm reading an amazing book called Stealing Fire um what's his name Stephen Kotler Stephen Kotler it's all about uh consciousness and how everyone in the world is seeking a different level of consciousness and different ways of achieving that whether that's you know through meditation or through dancing or singing or taking things like Adderall or Ritalin like just going through all the different ways that the humanity seeks seeks different levels of consciousness and uh, it's really really interesting how humans uh, in society classify different ways of achieving different levels of consciousness differently and like some are bad and some are good and the research behind it it's just it's really interesting Ooh, that is fascinating and you're still loving Brene Brown I take it I mean yeah the Brene, Brene I mean... Brown will always will always have this really warm place in my heart uh, she's actually talking at the inbound conference in um oh, really? is it in Boston, Boston. Uh, I might have to go and see her just because of that. But it also holds a special place in my heart because it was it was the first book that Michael ever recommended to me. And it was, you know, you're in that stage of like being so madly obsessed with this person that you're like, yes. oh, I'm going to be like, go so like whether they, they recommend the first album to you and you are obs- become obsessed with that artist or it was the first book he ever told me to read. And it's just always going to hold a special place in my heart. Oh, for sure. way to go, okay. Michael. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so last but not least, is there anything uh, with your businesses that you want to plug? Uh, I can go first and then you go second. So um, along the lines of what we're talking about in our conversation, uh, we actually have a beach body guide that's coming out that's taking a little bit of a different approach to a beach body and more focusing on, you know, embracing the body that you have and how to get the confidence to wear a bikini on the beach, regardless of uh, if you're curvy, if you're slender, if you're anything. And we talk about, we talk about different, like all the new styles of bikinis, like, you know, that there's like the high-waisted ones in right now, uh, the cutouts, like different ways to find ones that fit your body type and a couple workouts you can do on the beach and just really focusing on um, really being confident in the skin you're in versus trying to get a bikini body. It's more like you already have a bikini body. So how do we get you in a bikini and put it on the beach? (laughs) I'm so glad that I went that direction because when you said we're working on a bikini body guide, I was like, oh no. This is why I was excited to say it. I'm like, yeah. it that's awesome. You're like, wait, wait, I swear. That's so cool. Like, though. You're like, I don't think that relates. No. You're like, you have a body, put a bikini on it, and then you have a bikini body on the beach. I love that. Take it to the beach. That's so great. I think that's literally the opening paragraph yeah. of the guide is everybody's so seeking cool. to get this beach body, but really, yeah. or like bikini body, but we're just going to put your body in a bikini and there you go. Ta-da! Instant Ta-da! bikini body. That's awesome. Uh, and then when is this, do y'all know when this is going to air? Uh, I think in two 
two weeks. So not next week, but the following week. Gotcha. So yeah. we're going to be, we are right in the middle of a brute body launch uh, in two weeks from this recording. So oh, perfect. Um, if you are looking to get in better shape for the summer, put on um, a ton of muscle, get stronger. It's our most popular program and it's better than ever. We have a lot of uh, like one-on-one um, support now. So you get support for your training, your recovery, your nutrition. And then very soon we're going to be tag teaming with WAG. So be on the lookout for that. Dream team. Power couples more powerful. (laughs) Awesome. Are we going to get to see you at the games? Are you guys going to Madison? Yes, we'll definitely be in Madison. We're going to get to see you. I feel like we need to like... So then we, d- I'm going to be upset with both of you if yeah. you're both going to be there and we yeah. don't see you this year. We, just need to, we need to plan like a family barbecue. So Brand, my husband, my in-laws live in Madison. My husband is from Madison. And so we're making like a huge family trip out of it and like bringing our, our son and like we might bring our dog. And his family lives in Middleton, which is like maybe 20, 25 minutes away from um, the Alliant Energy Center in this just really cute house that like backs up to this really cute park. And I'm like, we just need to have a barbecue. And his parents, his dad and his stepmom, could not be more like quintessential midwestern like his stepmom was when we were not we went out there for the 17.5 announcement and she was like personally offended that joy considered not coming over for dinner she was like yeah. no bring her over <laughs> like i will i need i need to feed her yeah it was so cute so, so that would be a really fun we need date. to just have hey, a big that's our date over. Adi, it's our yeah. it's our date it's our friend date I was I was just about to say that I have a serious question for you guys. It's really hard to make friends later in life, and I was wondering if you wanted to go on a friend date with me. We are in, I'm and in. we are committed, and we are and totally we making this yeah, happen. Yeah, Brandon's parents' house. We can play Mario Kart. Love it. Yes. Oh my you gosh. guys are the best. Thank you so much. Stay on the line. Listeners, you guys know where to find them. Working Against Gravity and Brute Strength. Training. Training. Brute, brute Strength Training.com. Thank All you right. guys so much. Thank you. Bye.